guys, it's Richard Morgan with podcast episode 115, and this will be the last in our series on the book of Exodus, and maybe in a future date we can carry on looking at this, uh, but uh, we simply run out of time, and there's a huge amount in this book, and it's a, a wonderful, wonderful study, and we concluded last week by looking at the, the plagues and the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, and this this tr- dramatic outpouring of the power of God all to demonstrate God's power, God's reputation, God's ability to save, God's ability to penetrate the hard heart of Pharaoh. All of these things all wrapped up in this, that they might know who Yahweh is, his education experience, all as a prelude now to God rescuing his people from the land of Egypt. And I want to re-emphasize this point. God's purpose isn't just to save people. That's a means to an end. Salvation is part of the process in which God is creating a people for his name, a people that uh, manifest his glory, a people who are going to be part of his family, who are going to have an eternal relationship with him. And that requires salvation as part of this whole conversion and educational process that we might learn through being saved, which is a process in itself, who Yahweh is and how we can become part of his family. And so that's what the children of Israel experience here. Uh, First of all, with the death of the firstborn, the last plague is the death of the firstborn of Egypt. And we're told that when that happened, there was a great cry through the land of Egypt. And here God is turning the tables on the Egyptians who had caused right back in chapter two, the great cry of the Hebrews because of their slavery. And now it's the Egyptians who are crying. They had dared to touch the Hebrews who God says are my firstborn son. You can read that in Exodus chapter four. He's already calling them his firstborn son. And so they touched his firstborn. God will touch their firstborn. And God defeats the Egyptians. Finally, Pharaoh lets the people go, but not through the kindness of his heart. God has completely brought Pharaoh to his knees. And what we've seen is God's ability to save. And it's God's reputation that is going to be known. Now, just before they escape from Egypt, of course, we have this little interlude in chapters 12 and 13, before they get to the Red Sea, where we have the instructions of the Passover. Now, the Passover is the... First of the feasts that were uh, part of the whole national identity of the children of Israel. There's others like the Feast of Tabernacles and and so forth. But it was the Feast of uh, of, uh, Passover, which was the very first. And it was to be celebrated once a year as a continual reminder of the fact that they had come out of Egypt as God's people. And it's very, very significant for us because of course we have our own way of remembering our salvation. And there's this clear parallel between the Passover and the memorial meal, the breaking of bread, as we call it. A constant reminder of our salvation that we have come out of spiritual Egypt. And I really want to emphasize this this point in, in thinking about the Passover. This is the very first time that we have that word to remember in Scripture. 
That was what it was designed for. It was like an object lesson. They went through all the ritual of this Passover, not for the ritual's sake, but again, to remind them that God rescued them from Egypt. And we need this kind of reminder for several reasons. And one of the main reasons for the children of Israel is that they needed to bring to mind where they had come from. They were slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt. And they were saved out of Egypt, not because of their own power. I mean, they're mere bystanders in this whole thing. They came out of Egypt because of God's power and because of God's kindness and because of God's purpose. God is right at the center of this. And that's how we need to treat our Sunday morning remembrance or whatever day of the week that we remember Christ in bread and wine. It's remember that God sent his son. And really, we're mere bystanders in all that. We didn't do anything to save ourselves. We simply respond to it by listening to God, by being baptized and becoming uh, God's people. But all the work here is the work of God. It's God stretching out his kindness. It's God's power to save that is on display here. And that's what we need to remember in the bread and in the wine. And it, it, it humbles you, doesn't it, to, to think of, of it in that way, that we're not part of God's purpose because we're any better than anyone else, but because God has been kind to us. So we won't look at the uh, the Passover in any great amount of detail, but that's the really the main thing that I want us to to get out, out of this. So they go through the the Passover, they they kill the lamb, they put the blood on the doorpost, and the, the angel passes over. You, you know those stories very well, and then they come out into the wilderness and they start on their journey. And they come to the borders of the Red Sea and, oh, no, watch out. They're stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian armies who are coming again. Once again, Pharaoh hardens his heart and he thinks, I've made a big blunder, this big mistake in letting this people go. And he chases after them and follows them. So now they're stuck between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. And they start to panic. The people of Israel do. Now, this is human nature on display. Just think about this. They have just seen plague after plague after plague after plague. A huge demonstration of the power of God. And yet, despite all of that, when they're stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, they become afraid. Why? That's why Pharaoh's, that Moses rather says, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. Just stand still and see it. And there's one final miracle in which God brings that wind and he divides the sea and the people go up and go over on dry ground. And then Pharaoh's army is drowned in the Red Sea, the final end to Egypt, at least that generation of Egyptians. And they had nothing to fear, did they? And it's same for us. When we think about our salvation, how God has rescued us from spiritual Egypt, that should be an encouragement for us. As we go through difficulties in life, we face trials. Sometimes we feel like we're between a rock and a hard place, that we see no way out of a, a situation that we find ourselves in. Oh, there's always a way out because God is on our side. The great creator of all things is there with us. 
And so that's what we need to bring to mind through all the trials that we face in our wilderness wanderings. And one of the intriguing things about this is that the idea of hardening, its story ends here. Remember, Pharaoh had a hard heart. In fact, it says in verse 4 of Exodus 14, which is the story about the, going through the Red Sea, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh. Now that summarizes the whole purpose that God has in rescuing his people. The Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh. We've emphasized this over and over again. This was an education that God's reputation might be known. So God, again, is going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And there's this little phrase there. He will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh. What's interesting about that word glory is it's the same as the word for Pharaoh's hard heart. The word kabad. So there's a play on words going on here. And we've looked at in a previous podcast how the plagues narrative is presented to us as a battle between Yahweh and Pharaoh's hard heart. Who would win the battle? God would win the battle. Pharaoh's reputation is just his hard heart, his kabod heart. And now we contrast this with God getting glory over Pharaoh. Same word, but a completely different kind of uh, reputation. Whereas Pharaoh is remembered for his hard heart. God is remembered for his power to save. And that puts a, a period on the end of the um, story of Egypt. And now God can triumphantly lead his people to Mount Sinai, as you read of uh, a little bit later, and adopt them as his people. And now he can begin the what really becomes an even bigger task. He's brought them out of Egypt. But now the rest of the book of Exodus is God bringing Egypt out of them. So that ends our study of Exodus for now. Hopefully at some time in the future we can carry on and look at uh, the rest of the book. And, and maybe this will whet your appetite to delve into this book some more. It's an absolutely fantastic study. I highly recommend it. And um, look uh, more into some of the themes that we've been looking at, particularly the idea of names and, and knowing God, God's glory. The, the, these themes are dramatic throughout this book. And uh, hopefully we've um, given you a nice little introduction here. And God bless you on your studies. Mm -hmm.